This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbit DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. KBLA 1580, we've got gospel artist Pastor Mike Jr. He's joining us to talk about the battles so many people deal with being single. He says just embrace it. Plus, Last month was Sickle Cell Awareness Month, so we're going to talk a little bit of education into the show. But first up, the new TV season is here, Lonnie. So many black shows to watch. Where should we start? Lonnie, what are you excited about TV-wise? I'm excited for uh, 911. That's Angela Bassett and Rockman Dunbar. They're back. Um, They're fighting fires and... You know, it's a really good show. It's, you know, for it to be uh, a one hour drama, it talks about the L.A. Fire Department, LAPD. Um, Angela Bassett plays a sergeant in it and she has a husband and then she also has an ex-husband who turned gay. And then they also go through the lives of the different firemen and Mm -hmm. Aisha Hines is in it as well. And it's just a well-written, it really is a very diverse, you know, thing. Um, Also wonder years has been uh, rebooted and it's a black wonder years. If you're old enough to remember the original wonder years with Fred Savage with the white family and Winnie and, and this angsty, little prepubescent boy and, you know, him struggling with girls and all that stuff. This new one, which I'm not hating on it because, you know, I support all our stuff. But my issue is that it takes place in the 60s in Montgomery, Alabama. Exactly. And so it's like, are you going to tell this story for real? Mm -mm. Or are you going to tell this story? Because I just don't feel like... To me, this would be fine. Maybe if it was set in the 80s, mm-hmm. maybe the 90s, you know, like 85. But right. putting it in the 60s in Alabama, I mean, right now in Montgomery, I swear to goodness, 10 years ago, I'm in Montgomery, Alabama. And them people looking at me like I had a horn on my head because I was in the wrong part of town with the wrong person. Mm. So I just can't imagine what it would have been like in the 60s. And I just don't think that for that reason, this is going to be as authentic as mm. as possible. But I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody is like, you know, really look at it. Um, also, this is the last season for Blackish. So yeah. everybody has to remember that uh, we still have all Americans. CW is hanging in there with their show. CW, you know, I like what they're doing. I mean, it's it's geared at a younger audience, but they do a lot of black stuff. You know, they do a lot of stuff of color, period. 
because they have um, Kung Fu on, which I've been watching that. The one about growing up to be a president with a little Latina, the Latino family. Mm-hmm. Um, they're taking a lot more chances, I would say, than the other networks. But I guess they can afford to. Well, yeah, because um, they probably ain't paying nothing. Also, yeah, you have the anything. <laughs> you have the new show with Yaya DaCosta, Our Kind of People. It's on Fox at 9 p.m. Lee Daniels is the executive producer producer of this and is basically the setting of a wealthy black family in Martha's Vineyard. They have a, a black showrunner and it's a female. It, mm-hmm. it stars Morris Chestnut. Hello, and Joe chocolate. <laughs> it's a single mom with a hair care line for black women. So it's all about that. Let's talk about the book because people are going to watch this and they're going to be like, oh, this fantastical world of these rich black people that don't exist. This uh, series is based on a book called Our Kind of People that came out in 99. And it was by this rich Harvard, Princeton, came from old money, black family. And Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a fantastical tale. He's telling the real life story of old black money. You know, the clubs that they belong to, the brown paper rule, the Jack and Jill clubs, just the elite society. And it was very interesting, you know, for me, this was a whole different Black than I had ever heard of. I had never heard of a lot of these groups. I hadn't heard of these rules. And just reading it, it just gives you insight into the Black elite. We think of Black rich people as the rappers, the football stars, the Oprah Winfrey's. But before that happened, there was a whole Black elite. And this book talks all about those real people. Another new show coming out in the fall is called Queens. It's with uh, Naturi Nalton, Brandy, Eve, and Nadine Vasquez. And um, it's about uh, 440-something-year-old women getting their 1990-era girl group back together. It'll be on ABC at 10 p.m. So that let you know it's gonna be juicy because uh-uh. they don't put it's nothing not on ABC. Is it? I thought it was yeah. on CBS. No, ABC 10 p.m. Oh. October 19th it premieres. So I was gonna say you know. CBS does not do anything black. So <laughs> that's uh, okay, all. all right, you know. And there's a lot of streaming shows that will be on. I'm part of a wonderful Hispanic show. It is called The Gordita. Chronicles. We're shooting it right now, and that'll be premiering on HBO Max. Gordita yes. Chronicles. What Chronicles. It's kind of based on the 80s. It's like what you want to happen for the Wonder Years. It's about a family that comes from Dominican Republic. They're transitioning to America. Okay. Basically, it talks about the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, and it's a comedy. Eva Longoria is the producer and she directs some of the episodes. So I think that it's important when we talk about diversity, that we talk about all diversity. It really, you know, helps us to, you know, understand you have the CSIs, which is very diverse. There was another one. It's called The Premise. B.J. Novak, it's yeah. his project, but uh, Daniel Day Kim is in it. And Daniel Day Kim is no joke. I just love him. Yes. Uh, he's got a bunch of stuff coming up and he's and he's an activist, too. The COVID-19 hate crime bill. Yeah. He helped get that passed. Yeah. He yeah. came on the reel and he did a wonderful job explaining that. So this is what we're talking about. Being allies, do what they need to do. You also have Hawkeye 
that's going to be on Disney Plus. KBLA Talk 1580. Angelique along with Alani Love. Coming up, me and Yo-Yo talk about Sickle Cell Awareness Month on Cafe Mocha. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo on the line, five-time stellar award-winning gospel artist, Pastor Mike Jr., his new album is called Singles Ministry Volume 1. Hi, Pastor Mike. Hello. What's up? I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. You know, we want to talk to you about the single life and being single <laughs> and happy and single. I'm sure you, you, uh, Lonnie always talked about that for years upon years. But before we get into the topic, tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you got into music and your church. Well, first off, I'm just so honored to be here, man. I absolutely love everything you guys have done throughout the years and are continuing to do. Uh, but I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, man. Literally at 25, started a church in the city with 10 of my friends. And if I can give you the quick version, at 25, it's 10 of us. At 26, it's close to 1,000 of us. By 27, it's five or 6,000 people in an arena. And like we just haven't looked back. You know, so we've just been changing lives in the city of Birmingham. I recently just paid off $1.4 million worth of medical debt for everyone in the Birmingham area who had passed through medical bills and wow. feeding the hungry and doing what we do. I think your misery becomes your ministry and your pain becomes your reason for living. So for me, I don't care where God takes me, Stellars and all this other stuff. In my heart, I'm still that kid sitting on the porch at my grandmother's house playing bingo when cars would pass by. <laughs> and I made God a promise. I said, if you ever bless me, we were going to in turn bless people. So that's just what we do, man. We love God. We love people. We make a difference and we make music. Let's go. <laughs> so talk, talking about the music, what made you um, devote a whole album to the singles? Now, let me tell you what's crazy. This album almost got me put out my house because I, I, I felt like doing it. So keep in mind, when quarantine first happened, I had a lot of members started hitting me like, Pastor, pray for me. I'm like, what's going on? Are you sick? They were like, no, I'm just at home, quarantined, single. Like, I'm by myself, you know? I started getting on Zooms with them and saying how difficult it was to be locked in a house alone to your thoughts, alone to your past, alone to your ambition, to your hurts, to your desires. So as they would just tell me stories, I would begin to just write songs based off the stories I would hear. Right. And um, and it hit me. I said, I want to do an album strictly for the singles. And uh, we released it. And I thought it was going to be a passion project. In my head, I told my team, it's not going to chart. We're not going to make no noise. It's basically mm -hmm. for my church. And we woke up the next morning. It was number one on iTunes. And I said, <laughs> won't he do it? Yes, he will. There's so many people that's talking about relationships that's ended during this time and a lot of people who are unsure what to do to make their relationship work. What are some words of encouragement? Uh, one thing I would tell them, I'm in the midst of a series now that I believe can bless everybody entitled I Quit. And we live in a culture now where we're taught quitters never win and winners never quit. Be tough, strong, tough it out. 
Yeah. I think that's one of the greatest myths and lies that we've ever heard. You know, we say stuff in church that's not even biblical. We say stuff like, if you hold on a little while longer. Well, that's that's situational. That's not global. If I'm holding hot coal, I need to drop it. I shouldn't say hold on a little while longer. You know, so for me, I have seen the adverse effects of people staying in relationships longer than they should. So to somebody who's single right now, I would say, be honest. Are you single and satisfied? Are you single and seeking? Uh, are you single and mating? Be real about where you are in your life and just take control of who you are. One thing we can say, I, I told a group of guys this about um, women yesterday. I told them, I said, women are so strong now that you don't even have to lie to them. Give them the truth and let them make their own decisions. And That's I believe true. right now, a, a lot of people are living in bondage because they are stuck and held hostage to decisions that they necessarily didn't have an option in. You know, they fell in love with a representative. You know this. You've been living long mm -hmm. enough that when you're dating, the person <laughs> you meet is not the person you're going to end up marrying. So we end up falling in love with potential. So we marry potential instead of marrying reality. Because the thing is, guys always make it seem like, we the ones that come with the representation with our hair oh. and our nails and our, you know, whatever other fake things in our smile and batting our eyes. But guys switch it up too. They breathe. Absolutely. Oh, baby, I'm going to take right. care of this. And, do, and then they don't come with it. Hey, absolutely. Uh -oh. You know what we do? I told somebody, we always talk about how women are gold diggers. Well, men are gold fronters. You know, what we do the same way they say, well, that's not her hair. That's not her eyelashes. That's not her body. Well, that car you got is rented. So to me, the bait you use determines the fish you catch. So if all you do, fellas, is flash your money, you're going to attract a certain type of female. And I think everyone shows their representative. Just like now, you guys are interviewing me. And literally, the moment I got on the call with you guys, I, hey, how you doing? This is Pastor Mike. God bless you. As soon as I hang up the phone, man, I'm so tired. What are we finna eat? Because everybody <laughs> has mastered front. That's yeah. what social media did. You know, mm -hmm. everybody mastered fronting. And for me, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Think about this. Here's what we don't preach in church. Singles are the most overlooked demographic in the church. So here's what we don't preach. Jesus was single and Paul was single. Jesus is who we worship. Paul is who we built churches after. Both of them said our assignment was too critical for relationships. We need to re-examine our goals because a lot of us are praying for things that's antithetical to the other thing we pray. You know, I right. had a guy tell me yesterday, man, I want to be on tour. I want to do X, Y, Z. Then he turned right back around and was like, but I don't want to miss nothing. I said, well, brother, you better clone yourself. Like, because your <laughs> prayers are counseling each other out. So I think we just got to be real with ourselves. You know, um, part of the problem, I think, for those people I'm going to say women because I don't feel like men get this kind of pressure. Correct me if I'm wrong. That, you know, there's always a pressure for women to be in a relationship, to be married, to have yeah, children. Yeah. You know, what yeah. do you do with the outside pressure? Because you could be resolving yourself like this is what I'm doing. This is my focus. I'm good with this. But then you got all these bullets being thrown at you from everybody. People looking Absolutely. at you. Like, What's wrong with her? She ain't got no kids. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good question. <laughs> Good That's question. really good. I think one of the best things I heard, I was, um, I had the precious privilege of interviewing Tasha Cobb and she said something to me that changed my life forever. She said, I've always wanted to have children. And she, of course, she just testified how she went through a public battle of not being able to have kids. And she mm -hmm. just recently adopted a beautiful baby. But she said the pain of meeting people and saying, well, now, when y'all going to have some baby, not knowing that we're secretly trying, mm -hmm. you know? So for me, I think that's something we got to normalize being happy and alone, you know? And I think one thing I tell my singles a lot of time is I'm a boxing um, enthusiast. 
So I tell them, whenever your family members hit you with the jab of marriage and the jab of kids, counter it punch with a jab of reality. Mm-hmm. You know, so when they hit you with the whole, when you going to get married? Are you happy in yours? You when know, you because stop a drinking lot of so much. <laughs> stop drinking so much. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you gotta look a, back at them and one. say, "Well, I can be, I can take yours if you want me to." What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> a lot of this new generation, I believe, are giving up too quickly. I think I, mm-hmm. I'm seeing more young women who have just birthed children giving up too quickly. Yeah. Saying, you know, so what do you have to say to those women who feel like they don't want to hold on? I mean, you know, single, you know, because we give so much to being single and women are so dominant now and women are the breadwinners. They're given more access. And so they really don't have the patience to really hold on. We don't have to see back at, back at our parents' day and our parents' yeah. parents' day. Yeah. You had to put up with that stuff. You didn't have a choice yeah. Cause you uh-huh. now it's system. like yeah. I don't need you, please. And, and that's what I mean. But, move. And because we have that attitude, I think that a lot of young women are giving up too quickly. Yeah. And see, I think one thing we have to do, I always pay attention to cultures. All right. So when grandmama was growing up, she didn't have a choice, you know. He was a breadwinner, he was everything. She stayed home, cooked and clean. All right. So then she had a child. That child grew up watching Claire. So she watched, she grew up watching Claire Huxable be a power broker, but living with the mother who was taking care of a man. So this secret ambition in her was, no, when I grow up, I'm going to be a boss. So that young girl grew up and became this I-N-D-E-P-E-N, however you spell it, independent woman. Okay? <laughs> but what happened is she gave birth to a child who grew up watching Real Housewives of Atlanta. Right. Who is now boss. Mary could think about it. We called them housewives, but most of them weren't even married. Right, right. So now you have this new generation who's desiring the glam of a ring without the preparation of a marriage. So I think right now, that's why we're seeing so many young couples like, hey, I'm ready. You know, because I think one in part, I think some of them know what they want early, but then some of them really are just chasing a dream. We want it right now. You know, I tell everybody we run from process. You know what I'm saying? We run from process. You know, I thank God for the journey. I thank God for bankruptcy. I thank God for living in an extended state, having to roll quarters every Friday just to pay that, to oh get another goodness. week to stay there. I oh thank God. Um, I thank God for foreclosing on our first home. I thank God for the hard times, you know, me and my wife having to literally go to Wendy's and get a four for four. And then which one you want? I get the nuggets. You get the, the junior bacon cheeseburger. We'll split oh. the fries and we'll get a drink. Mm-hmm. I thank God for the process because now it really made where we are now in life worth it. And sadly, so many people, I'm going to stop talking when I say this, So many people want the picture, not the blueprint. The picture is the end result. The blueprint is the details on how to get the end result. And sadly, social media is giving us a culture where all we do is post our pictures and we omit the blueprint. So now we have people with all these leftover pieces at the end Mm -hmm. and don't realize what it took for us to become who we are. It's like me wanting to start a radio show tomorrow and then thinking I'm going to be y'all. I don't Mm -hmm. know what y'all went through to get here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. So I think we just got to do better about embracing the process. And some people say they feel better when they were sharing meals mm-hmm. like yeah. that. They say they was uh-huh. they were they were feeling better sharing meals and being uh, mediocre in life. Hear me when I say this. I was just on the um, McDonald's Inspiration Celebration Gospel Tour. And uh, I mean, it's one of the, one of the biggest moments of my life. Mac, that, then we did the Stella Awards. 
I was sincerely more happy doing praise and worship at my daddy church because I'm sitting at home this past Sunday about to have a nervous breakdown. I hope it sounds right. How did I look? Did I remember all my moves? Oh my God, my stomach poking out. I forgot to suck my stomach in. Like, cause the anxiety <laughs> that just comes with like, oh my God, my, I should have got an edge up. Oh my, I should have sponged my hair back. Why, why she ain't moving face? Then before I knew it, it was over. And I don't even remember what the, I had to go back and yeah. watch the performance because it's the pressure of getting what you prayed for. So I think like you say it, it was those moments where it was no pressure and you were just happy. And if we can get back to that, because you'll be surprised, so many couples don't make it once they make it. Yeah. But success yeah. makes sick people sicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great point. So yep. before before we wrap up, I want three tips that you give people for being single and satisfied and just being in that moment and being okay with it. All right, three tips. Number one, pick what you like. Let's not even be spiritual. I know you thought I was going to say pray about it. You don't have to pray about what you can pick. So what I would tell them right now, if you're single, you have a right to be picky and choosy. You pick what you like. Number two, be real about what you cannot take. What are your non-negotiables? You know, if you're a breast man, don't get nobody in the itty bitty committee. If you're if you if you like a tall girl, get you a tall girl. If you like chocolate men, don't get a light skin brother. <laughs> Pick what you like. Stop making this so spiritual and just be real with yourself. Number one, pick what you like. Number two, what are your non-negotiables? I don't like people who smoke, so don't date a smoker. I don't like people who cuss in clubs. Don't date a cuss and clubber. And number three, don't move forward without God. I don't care how great of a pick you make. I don't care if they meet all your non-negotiables. If God ain't in it, I just don't believe it's going to work. And that's my three points. Okay. I love it. Okay. <laughs> I think I just got in trouble too. I didn't mean to say that at one no, part. Of what the itty bitty itty committee? Yeah, itty bitty committee. That will get bleak, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling. You started the conversation talking about the work that you're doing in the community, a community mm-hmm. that is poor, a community that is very black. Um, mm-hmm. How can people support your work? Man, do, do me a favor. You can text Rock Nation, Rock Nation to 28950. That's R-O-C-K-N-A-T-I-O-N, Rock Nation to 28950. And you can help be a part of what we're doing, man. We're so excited about all the strides we're making. Uh, we have one of the only African-American-owned, fully accredited Christian schools in the state of Alabama, K through eight. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. And we're continuing to make a difference. I tell everybody, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So that's one of the hallmarks and bedrock principles of my life. We give. Giving is what we do. So any person who wants to be a part of that, you can literally just text Live Big to 28950 and we can connect you and you can help us change lives. Pastor Mike Jr., his hit album, the new one is called Singles Ministry Volume 1, and he's pastor of Rock City Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you for joining us. It's great to meet you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. Great conversation. If you guys ever need anything, I want to call away. Thank you so much. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. I'm Angelique. Bubba Wallace just became the second black driver to win a major NASCAR race. He thanked the owner of his team, Michael Jordan. Then he got emotional. Yeah, I never never think about those things. And it obviously brings a lot of emotion, a lot of joy to my family, fans, uh, friends. It's pretty damn cool. 
And ESPN anchor Sage Steele had a worse week than Facebook. She caught COVID and got yanked off the air for making unnecessary comments like this one. If they make you choose a race, she's like, what are you going to put? I go, well, both. She's like, well, you can't. Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial. I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I go, I think that's fascinating considering his black dad was nowhere to be found. Salty. And nearly 100 years ago, there was a black beach in California. The land and the resort built on it was owned by the Bruce family until the government found a way to steal it. Well, they just returned this oceanfront parcel of land to the heirs of the original owners. The law was used to steal this property 100 years ago, and the law today We'll give it back. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique, along with Yo-Yo, last month was Sickle Cell Awareness Month. Here to educate us is Dr. David Mayer of the American Red Cross and Clifton Kirkman out of Detroit, who has lived with sickle cell for all his life. We are fashionably late to the conversation, but we wanted to talk about this mystery disease that impacts mostly Black people. Um, and can be completely debilitating. So joining us right now is Dr. David Mayer. He's from the American Red Cross. Hi, Dr. Mayer. Hi, how are you, Angelique? Great, thank you. And representing the 313 Detroit, (laughs) Clifton Kirkman, who was diagnosed with sickle cell at 18 months old. Hi, Clifton. Hello, thanks so much for having me. So Dr. Mayer, um, I'm going to start in the most simple place, which is, can you just give us a simple definition of what sickle cell is? Sickle cell disease is an inherited disease where the patient with it has an abnormal hemoglobin. They've inherited a gene from both parents. So the parents were carriers for what's called sickle trait. And then both the parents passed on, and they did not have the disease, just the trait. And then it got passed on Each gene got passed on to the child, and they then have an abnormal hemoglobin, the sickle hemoglobin. And what happens in this condition is that when the red cells do their job of delivering oxygen to the tissues, they can change shape, go into the sickle shape, which can't flow through the circulation very well. And then the cells cannot deliver the oxygen the organs need And these patients can suffer debilitating stroke, kidney disease, Uh, they lose their spleen, they can have uh, uh, lung problems. And right now, the most uh, common treatment that's readily available is transfusion of red cells. And we want to let our um, African-American blood donors out there be aware that they are the best match for patients with sickle cell disease since, of course, it disproportionately affects African-Americans. I guess I want to turn to you, Clifton. I mean, he said a lot of stuff there and most of it went over my head. But Clifton, what does that mean for you in your life? You were diagnosed when you were just a baby. How did your parents even discover that you had the disease or the trait? Well, so for for me, my father had an aunt and an uncle who had sickle cell disease. So the story goes, he knew about it. He knew he was a carrier of the gene. My mother had not a clue. So back in 1984, When people got married, they still did blood tests. And so that's how my mother found out that she was then the carrier of sickle cell trait. 
And at that point in time, you know, they were like, oh, like, hey, we're still going to get married. And lo and behold, I ended up with the full-blown disease. And in 1987, something that did not happen that happens now is that there was not newborn screening. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until the child showed signs or symptoms that, hey, they would then take them to the doctor, they would run the blood test and do the diagnosis. So on one hand, that is the reason why I was 18 months. The good thing about it now is that because of what we know, um, newborns automatically get screened, right? So Mm -hmm. as soon as you're born and you are African-American or have Mediterranean descent, you automatically test it for the illness. Now, people tend to have children out of wetlock and things of that nature. So the blood test marriages doesn't happen like it used to. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, I knew as a child, hey, it comes of me finding someone to have a child with. I need to make sure that they don't have the trait. And so that is something that I made sure that I had that conversation. You know, growing yeah. up, just like Doc said, I've experienced so many of those things. I've experienced um, a stroke. Um, mm. There were countless nights that I was in the hospital. In fact, being at the hospital was my second home, you know, yeah. and at mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. of nine, I had a, I had gallstones, which is another, um, not side effect, but another situation that tends to occur. And because of the gallstones, long story short, I ended up having a stroke, which many of <laughs> us happen to have. Um, and that started me on the transfusion program which is why we always are advocating for others African-Americans to donate because it's so important. So I'm 34 years old and I've been on the transfusion program since I was 10. With Pickle, so there are so many, there's so much to talk about. (laughs) There is still that factor of us living in America and it being an illness that doesn't get it through justice whether that's talking about it, whether that's funding. And that's where I became a patient. You know, I I realized that the conversation must be. A patient advocate. Yeah, we understand. You know, thank you so much. Doctor, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, being in hip hop, you know, hip hop and health has been a big question. And my boy Prodigy from Mob Deep passed away at the age of 42 from sickle cell. And we know that my girl from uh, T-Boz is Mm -hmm. always struggling uh, to bring awareness. You know, I'm fighting for awareness about the uh, disease. Has science and treatment advanced over the past 30 years? Yes, it has advanced some. And as Clif- but as Clifton mentioned, just because of healthcare disparities in general and sickle cell disease, uh, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily gotten the um, focus for research uh, that some other inherited diseases get. Um, so it has advanced, but not as quickly as it has for other inherited diseases. But there are therapies that are in the pipeline now for sickle cell disease. The, most of them are still at the research stage, so they're not, not final and approved. Um, and bone marrow transplant is a potential cure for the illness. The problem is with that is um, it can be difficult to find a bone marrow match 
uh, to perform a transplant. And because of the complications that can occur as a result of the illness, it can make the treatment with transplant, which has a lot of chemotherapy and so forth uh, involved in it, a lot of sickle cell patients won't qualify because of the complications they've had due to the disease. For a disease like sickle cell disease, where a significant portion of the patient population needs chronic transfusion therapy to stay alive, these other substances other than ABO, positive or negative, um, come into play. And we need those kind of matches. And you're more likely, like, like a bone marrow transplant, more likely to find those matches in somebody of your same ethnic group. I have a question. The blood donation has come up a few times yeah. in this conversation already. And I wanted to know, I mean, like when we show up at the American Red Cross, can we go, hey, this blood is for a sickle cell person? Or do you guys, and I'm saying you guys because you are from the American Red Cross, but when we donate blood, yeah, can yeah. we say, I want this for this purpose? Um, well, I mean, everybody needs blood. But what we do is, is when, um, you know, uh, there's, People need blood every two minutes to need a transfusion. So what we do do is, is when a um, African-American donor comes in, and as long as they declare their ethnicity uh, when they donate, um, designate that they're an African-American donor, they will automatically be screened for the trait. Um, which will provide him full information, as Clifton mentioned. And also, they will be screening for some of these other substances on the cell to see if they are a match for somebody. And odds are, they're going to be more likely to be a match for an African-American patient, um, such as with sickle cell disease. And those units would be distributed accordingly. So it, there's an increased chance that it would be going to somebody in need because we do all this additional testing and we want to get the best match available to these patients. This is Cafe Mocha. On the line, Clifton Kirkman was diagnosed with sickle cell before he turned two years old. He's sharing his story along with Dr. David May from the American Red Cross. Thank both of you for joining us. Yo, yo, go ahead. You got a question? Doctor, did we talk about any of the signs? Typically, the most common presentation is early on in uh, childhood when the patient may present pain in their limbs and swelling in their limbs is one of the most common presentations of the disease. And that same problem with or blood flow due to the sickle hemoglobin is what contributes to the strokes and the kidney disease, et cetera. With this illness, right, I tell everybody, I can have it, you can have it, and the way it affects me is not necessarily the way it'll affect you. But even with my parents, the, the life expectancy was, oh, God, are they going to make it outside yeah. of being a kid? Yeah, T-Boss said that doctor said you won't make it till 30, which is horrible. Correct. I mean, I promise you, when I got to graduate high school, it was an honor and a blessing. When I graduated from college, I literally cried because it's just one of those things. It's not an end-all and a be-all. Yes, you can have a kid that has it. If they're sick, they're sick. But don't allow that to be their end-all in life. And just because I have an illness, yeah, there's complications. Yes, I have to take better care of myself. But it's no different from anyone else experiencing anything else in life. Dr. Mayor, I want to apologize for any dumb question that I personally may have asked. No Um, such thing. One of the reasons why it was not only important to have 
you here, but also to have Clifton to share what this is and, you know, demystify it. Because as you said, the research money isn't really going to this, which means it's going to be up to the community to do our part. And we can't do our part if we don't know. So I thank you both for joining us to shed some light on this. Uh, Dr. David Mayer from the American Red Cross. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You're very welcome. And Clifton Kirkman, sickle cell warrior, patient advocate. Representing the 313. (laughs) Detroit in the house. Thank you, Clifton. Thank you so much, guys. Follow the hashtag Sickle Cell Matters. Follow the hashtag Sickle Cell Awareness. There are ways for those who want to add to this and spread the knowledge of what Sickle Cell is. Let's get into the Swag Award with Rashawn McDonald. Thank you, ladies. Rashawn McDonald here from Money Making Conversations. This week, I sat down with Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner Marcus Davis. Marcus is an entrepreneur and restaurant owner in Houston, Texas. Marcus is the spirit and mastermind behind the breakfast club reggae hut at alley cat bar and lounge and culture his restaurants are rooted in the principles of faith family and community here's what he had to say post-traumatic slave disorder is real right anytime you decide that you gotta hide or uh, have a fear of letting people know who you are i I deliberately from day one september uh 2001 deliberately wanted folks to know that this was an african-american-owned establishment right that the person who had their name on the door on on the market was african-american but we're going to deliver a product that is good for the general market if you want to hear marcus davis full interview visit moneymakingconversations.com keep winning this is cafe mocha rtv and film productions about to completely shut down because ayatsi just authorized a strike the ayatsi union members basically make up the crew the cameraman lighting sound makeup wardrobe pretty much anybody that's not on camera they have voted to strike and are ready to strike if work conditions don't improve lonnie you work on a tv show every day what's going on there they're really striking you know for because of covid most productions had to add at least a million dollars for COVID protocols. And then instead of giving an extra million dollars to like each show, the studios basically have gone back and said, no, you find a million dollars somewhere. So mm-hmm. what a lot of productions have done is taken out producers, providing meals. They've cut back on wardrobe and it has affected the whole cast and the whole crew. You know, I talked to uh, a guy who was like a second cameraman in Hollywood working on some shows. He said that ever since they got back from COVID, you know, they're happy to be back. They're happy to be working. But the issue is that they are working 24 hours a day, like six and a half days a week. They'll get off late, 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 late Friday night, like early Saturday morning. Yeah, they call it Friday. Yeah, Friday, where they don't really get a weekend. And then they got to be back on the set at 5 a.m. And I'm like, well, isn't that what you want? Isn't that how it always works? He said, Angie, I don't get pee breaks. I can't even go to the bathroom. I got to hold it. And I was like, wow. I mean, so it's really intense for them. And a lot of them aren't getting the money that we think they're getting. We just kind of assume it's a union job. So they must be making, you know, excellent money. Well, that's because they're cutting back on production. And so they're squeezing the cast and crew because of these reductions. I mean, we usually do, you know, 37 weeks and they reduced us down to 25. They're cramming in the shows and it's making everybody work more. 
but they're not really paying more. Like for crews, they usually get paid by the week or they're getting paid by the hour. It depends on your pay. But also what's important is because they're adding more, they're making the breaks less. And so you, that's why you get a, a crew member saying, I can't go to the restroom. They went from an hour lunch to a half hour lunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're working six and a half days, you don't get to spend time seeing your family. You trying to recover. Then you got to get right back up and go to work. Regular working people might say, I work 12 hours a day. But the whole point is you got to look at it from a whole week, 107 hours. That's a lot without rest. And you're doing a lot of physical work. It's a lot. We're going to see what happens as far as the strike. And I think it will happen. I hope it doesn't because the writer strike ain't turned out that good. So at all at all so let's keep our fingers crossed that these people can come up with something because we need some tv to watch it's gonna be a long long winter that's cafe mocha for the week reach out on all platforms at cafe mocha radio cafe mocha is a production of miles ahead broadcasting in partnership with compass media executive producer sheila eldridge for comments booking or more information visit cafe mocha radio.com